0: It's the Trubisky train! There was no doubt about it.
1: So, it's first and ten now for the Steelers as they go deep in Seattle territory. Trubisky again, this time more time. Rolling to his left, he can do that. Fires into the end zone. Touchdown! The gunner is in. (laughs) Gunner Osheski with a touchdown. He's been impressive in camp. He continues tonight, and Mitch Trubisky takes him right down the field. (coughs) The Steelers trying to extend their one-point lead. Trubisky for the end zone, Chase
0: Oh my God, is that beautiful. Trubisky to the gunner. Did that really happen with Pomp on the call at KDKA? The Gunner. That's probably the highlight of
1: Trubisky Steelers' career, I would think, right? And then what was the second call? To Claypool against Tampa. <laughs> what great connections.
0: To Claypool. I have to hear, uh, Sean, don't call me Seth Myers. I have to hear Pomp calling Trubisky to Gunner one more time. I don't remember. The, I, I, I'm convinced this didn't actually happen, that you just made up a clip where you cut and pasted names into the audio. Yeah, this, can, this never happened. This is like AI now. You can generate whatever. Yeah, it's AI generated. But but let's hear it just for so kicks. So it's first and 10 now for the
1: Steelers as they go deep in Seattle territory. Trubisky again, this time more time. Rolling to his left. He can do that. Fires into the end zone. Touchdown. The gunner is in. Gunner Oshesky with a touchdown. He's been impressive in camp. He continues
2: tonight. And Mitch Trubisky takes him right down the field.
0: Oh, was that beautiful? With the low key, he can do that, too. He can roll to his left and throw to his right. This is a disaster, isn't it? I'm not talking about the show, although you could argue that. It's just me and Sean. Don't call me Seth Myers to my left through the glass. We have a big show lined up here. Off the top, brought to you by J.P. Roofing and Siding. Stiggy's going to join us. Jay Caulfield's going to join us, I believe the Noah Constrictor, Noah Hiles, and the great Sean Gentilly. So that's a Mount Rushmore right there, especially the Noah Constrictor, I might add. But let's start with the cuts that the Steelers made. And let's start with a tribute to Mitch Trubisky. I mean, well, that was the tribute to Mitch Trubisky. And it has me thinking about a lot of things. I was once, as you heard there, the conductor of the Trubisky train. Not proud of that, I might add. Although Bob was the first person in town who had the idea that the Steelers should sign Mitch Trubisky. I was just following his lead. And, and here's what I have to admit. When we, let, let's look back at Mitch Trubisky. Let's just do that for a moment. All together, okay? I thought it was a good idea that they sign him. I did. And, and I still wonder, by the way, Not just with Trubisky, but with a lot of athletes in pro sports and maybe particularly a lot of quarterbacks. Do coaches ruin them? Maybe Trubisky would have been ruined no matter what, but he went into a horrendous situation in Chicago. And I know Matt Nagy now works back with the Chiefs and everything went wonderfully, right? What did he exactly do? I don't know because Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are already there. The situation in Chicago was awful. And I just wonder. I'm not saying this would have been the case. I'm not. But I wonder how many quarterbacks have been ruined by coaches not letting them play. Not giving them the freedom to just go out and make mistakes and play. And I wonder about Trubisky in Chicago. I at least wonder. Because there were a couple times in his Steelers career where I felt like he was unburdened and just cut it loose. I think he was damaged goods when he got here. And maybe he never would have made it. Please keep that in mind. In fact, it's it's a likelihood he never would have, that he either doesn't have the um, head to be a quarterback or the he seems to have the skills, whatever it might be. I go back to the Chicago days and just wonder, because he's obviously talented. Like, I remember the Cleveland game from last year. Steelers lose 29-17, and Trubisky was playing, you know, the most careful game imaginable for a lot of it. And then on the final drive or two, it was screw it time. And the guy just unleashed you know what I mean and there were a couple little signs of that I didn't have a problem honestly in the end first with them bringing him in and secondly with them bringing him back in a backup role I thought he was best suited for that I thought kind of the pressure had been alleviated for him that all right I'm a backup we gave it another shot ain't gonna work I'm not gonna be anybody's franchise quarterback but I could be Kenny Pickett's backup I could do that because honestly, coming off last year, his last two performances, well, the one against the Ravens, you could argue, was somewhat disastrous, three interceptions, one of which was not his fault. And even in that game, you could see raw talent. But then the Carolina game before that, he, he looked like a guy who could be your backup quarterback, right? 17-22, pretty good game against Carolina and had other relief performances. The one against Tampa, he was great. And again, it was he didn't have to think. He just got ripped into a game because the starter got hurt. And he went 9 for 12 for 144 yards and made some unbelievable plays. If you remember that Tampa game where he's running around on third and long and makes a play. The Cleveland game, he was 20 of 32, 207 yards. New England, I'm talking last year's New England game. Didn't go particularly well, but if I told you your backup quarterback was going to go 21-33 of with a touchdown, I don't know that you'd be complaining about that. The Cincinnati game that they won wasn't great, but he didn't make a mistake. Like, he was a backup quarterback. But getting back to my point here, I just wonder from the beginnings, from the very beginnings, if this guy got ruined by paranoid, overprotective Overcoaching coaches. At least I wonder, Sean, but not just about him, about lots of guys. Cordell Stewart, maybe. Tim Couch, maybe. We have no idea what would have happened to Ben if he went to Cleveland. Or if Tim Couch came here with a ready-made great team. I mean, I have a feeling Ben would have been great anywhere. But I think there's a lot of guys out there who might have been really good, if not for the environment that they were presented with out of the draft.
1: Sam Darnold comes to mind for me. Yeah. And honestly, he's kind of in that same situation right now that Trubisky was in a couple years ago. Struggled with his initial team. Then he had kind of a rehab this year in San Francisco. And I'm willing to bet someone's going to look at him and say, maybe not the starter, but we can bring him in and have a a guy that – has the talent and maybe is rehabbed enough that we can expect him to compete to get some valuable snaps this season.
0: Yeah, and then you just wonder how much damage has been done to a guy.
1: Zach Wilson looks to be in that same boat, although he might already be irreparable at this point.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're talking about a kid who, when he was a kid, had six touchdowns and no picks in a game against Tampa in Trubisky. Back-to-back games of nine touchdowns and one pick. I thought he was worth a shot. And it didn't work, and then it devolved, and then it was a disaster this season. So in the end, I I don't really blame the Steelers and Tomlin necessarily for doubling down on Trubisky and signing him. Maybe a little hefty of a price tag. I have to admit, I thought they had a really good backup situation going into the season. I did. And then he came in and played, and it didn't go well. Everybody saw that, right? So in the end, that's it for Mitch Trubisky. But I think there's also a bigger story here, and I'd love for you to join the show. At 412-928-9370, 928-9370, fan hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia, Peters Township. Visit them at southhillskia.net. Tomlin's mistake with Trubisky was keeping him in there this year. I mean, it it, it was going to take a lot for me to call for Mason Rudolph, and I was calling for Rudolph probably no later than the New England disaster, and I think even before that. I think after maybe a couple games Maybe even after the Cleveland game, now that I look at it. My reasoning being then that you're ruining Kenny Pickett. Speaking of ruining quarterbacks, you're ruining a guy by having him try to develop in this incompetent coordinator system. So my reasoning then was get Pickett out of there. This has hit rock bottom here and spare him from any more damage from Matt Canada, please spare this man. He didn't deserve this. And this gets back to Mike Tomlin. I'm sorry, but it does. Most things do that have gone wrong the last couple of years and that the national media won't talk about. Mike Tomlin doubled down on Matt Canada, brought him in, promoted him. Got to observe him every single day and decided, yep, that's my guy. Let's bring him back for another run and another run. Let's put our first round pick in the care of Matt Canada. That's how much I think of him. What a disaster. Just a total unmitigated disaster. So that's what I wanted was, was please remove Pickett from this mess. Send him to a boarding school, you know, The family he's growing up in is dysfunctional. Send this guy to a boarding school. Send him back to Tony Rassiopi. Is that the guy's name? Very nice man. Yes. His quarterback's coach. But, But whatever you do, you know, put Trubisky back in here. And then put Rudolph in. Or put Rudolph in and not Trubisky. You know, I think I'd already seen enough of Trubisky after the Jacksonville game. Just get somebody else in here. Please. Even Mason Rudolph. And so all roads lead back to the quarterbacks, don't they? But I also think there's another story here, and I was asked today in my intergalactically red mailbag. Where does that span from? Here to Uranus, but that feels sad because, you know, Ron used to say that, and the specter of Ron still hovers over this show. It sure does. I would look across this desk and see a partially bald man with a gray beard, pecking out texts with two fingers and watching soap operas and pacing, but also a very kind man that I enjoyed spending time with at times. At times. When we weren't choking each other out, right? Uh, but yes, intergalactically red. And someone asked basically this, why doesn't ever anybody ever blame Kevin Colbert? You look at the cuts they made yesterday. Well, Presley Harvin was one, and someone pointed out, listen, and Chukes was one, right? Chukes being the prominent one of the draft picks. Why doesn't anybody ever blame Kevin Colbert for what's gone on here lately? And I said, good point. I mean, Kevin Colbert is a Hall of Famer, right? We know that. And they've had some good picks, but overall, I think he would be the first to tell you, that the 2018 and 19 drafts, you want to talk about disasters, right? There's one guy left, one man standing, and he's running backwards. It's Deontay Johnson. One man standing, and that was a bad contract. And that goes back to Tomlin and Omar Khan, but you, you got to believe that Tomlin has last say. He does have last say on draft picks other than Art if Art wanted to step in on something. This is a coach-centric organization and has been since the days of Chuck Knoll. They chose the coach, gave the coach power, gave him final say on draft picks, Chuck Knoll, and I have no reason to believe that has ever changed since. Cower and Tom Donahoe got into a power struggle. Both had done good work, and Dan Rooney chose the coach. And Mike Tomlin has enormous power within this organization. You think he's been stripped of the same powers that Cower and Noll had? No way. He's got last say on draft picks, other than the owner, if the owner wants to step in, an immense say on personnel. So when they go out and and they re-sign a Mitch Trubisky or bring him in in the first place or draft a Kenny Pickett, that's the coach primarily. But Kevin Colbert obviously had a lot to do, mostly the coach, I would say, on the prominent draft picks. Then it gets to be more... Uh, system scouting staff GM oriented picks from then from there on you know what I mean but you look at the 19 and 18 drafts there's one guy left those guys should be into what their their second contracts Terrell Edmonds is 27 years old they should be in their primes Listen to the picks from 18, Edmonds, James Washington, Mason Rudolph, which I never understood the order there. You had a first-round grade on Mason Rudolph, which you later admitted, and he was available to you with the 60th pick, and you took him with the 76th pick. If you think you have a first-round talent at quarterback, that you want a groom to eventually replace Ben, and he's available at 60. Why would you take the wide receiver before him? I guess you're betting he's still going to be available at 76, but that seems like a hell of a risk to take if you believe in a guy that much. You know what I mean, Sean? Why, if you have him on the board at 60, would you take his own wide receiver ahead of him? That's the one
1: position where you can't risk waiting and missing on the guy if it's the right. quarterback you want and we see teams regularly trade up and give up a ton of draft asset to get the quarterback they want so yeah, yeah. that doesn't I that can't doesn't remember jive. I think
0: they actually may have moved up a little to get Mason I don't remember offhand it doesn't matter you're salivating at pick 60 at the end of the second round to get a first round quarterback on your board so something's very fishy about the whole first round grade thing with Mason. But anyway, Terrell Edmonds, and this this isn't necessarily hindsight, by the way, either. Like, I know everybody wants, oh, it's easy to grade a draft. No, when they took Terrell Edmonds, it was a project pick, and it was a safety. And those two things were mentioned prominently at the time. And he became an average NFL player who is not here. James Washington became an extremely limited player. A one-trick pony, I would say. And he didn't last long. It became very clear that, you know, you want to throw a ball to James Washington down the sideline and have him go up and get it. Not a bad idea. Anything else, probably a bad idea. It's not like he did nothing here. But I would say he was an average to below average player with your second pick. Mason Rudolph is going to be gone and... Maybe they waited too long to find out about him. I'm not sure we actually have found out about him. If they really wanted him, they would be madly pursuing him with an offer he couldn't refuse. Instead, seems to be that the company line is, well, he's going to go out and see what's out there, and then we'll see. No longer with the team. Chukes is an indictment of Tomlin. Here's a guy <clears throat> that they signed to a $20 million, $29 million contract with over $9 million guaranteed. Now, it had some outs, thankfully. But their best thinking had him moving to the premium position of left tackle a couple of years ago, which they immediately abandoned because of injury, because they had drafted uh, Dan Moore, but primarily because Zach Banner got hurt. So let's, let's dig into the thinking there. We have a guy that we're now projecting to play left tackle. That is a premium position. That's our off-season plan. We think enough of Chukes to move him to left tackle. And the whole plan goes awry because Zach Banner got hurt? Oh, forget it. We'll, we'll take, take Chukes away from his natural position, won't even move him there, and in OTAs we'll reconfigure everything because we couldn't possibly find someone at right tackle to replace Zach Banner. It's not Dan Moore's natural position. We want him at left tackle, just mediocrity on top of mediocrity on top of mediocrity. And they paid Chooks and they misidentified him. And he's an average to below average player. Who's no longer here. Marcus Allen. The last notable thing he did was join the Raiders huddle. Jalen Samuels had a good game or two. Remember the new England game. And down goes Joshua Frazier. That's your 18 draft. 19, the Devin Bush disaster. All right, I'll give you the injury, but the 10th pick overall needs to be a star. And I'm not sure he was ever going to be that. Deontay, bad contract. Productive player, bad contract. Would have been better off moving on when you could. Still would be better off trading him and drafting somebody else because if we see nothing else around the NFL is that you can find receivers kind of like running backs. Justin Lane, disaster, Benny Snell, eh. Zach Gentry, Sutton Smith, Isaiah Bugs, Ulysses S. Grant and Derwin Gray. That's not one that you put up on the refrigerator at home. If you're Kevin Colbert or Tomlin, right? That's no. That's not a, a draft report card that you proudly come home with and pin to the refrigerator. Two lost years. You win with stars in the NFL. You win with stars. You have to draft stars. And I'm not sure they've drafted one. This last draft pending. This last draft looks really good. George Pickens might be on the verge of becoming a star. Najee Harris is a good player. Pat Fryer, a good player, although I would have taken Creed Humphrey for sure, and I still wouldn't have taken a running back in the first round. You may have noticed that the two dynasties in the AFC in the 21st century pretty much use interchangeable running backs, receivers, and edge rushers, which is where the Steelers seem to want to build their team around running backs and edge rushers. But anyway, Pickens might be one. Highsmith's a good player. You got to go back to T.J. Watt to find a star that they drafted who's on the roster right now. This this is not how it's done. The 2020 draft, they didn't have a first-round pick. Claypool, Highsmith, McFarlane, Dotson, failure in development by the Steelers, didn't play him at his natural position. He might be the biggest star they've drafted, only he plays for another team. And then even the 21 draft, Seems to be plagued by, you know, average players and a a gigantic mistake in Kendrick Green. A gigantic mistake that may have blown up what could have been a better season. You get a real veteran center with Ben in his final year instead of a guy who couldn't play in front of him. At center? Of all the positions? Yeah, so unfortunately, it didn't end well with Kevin Colbert. It just didn't with those drafts. That, that's inarguable, and this man raised a good point in his letter to the intergalactically red mailbag, Sean. And then the Kenny Pickett selection hangs over everything now. What have the Steelers done? Did they get a player who with a different coordinator may flourish? What's the ceiling for Kenny Pickett? What was it Michael Jordan said? The ceiling is the roof? The roof is the ceiling. Something is something. I'm afraid the ceiling might be the floor with Kenny Pickett. The ceiling might be the floor. You're in the basement trying to pound up on the kitchen floor here. You might break through, but you're still in the kitchen. Right?
1: Sounds like something you have to call JP Roofing if things don't (laughs) go well. You have
0: to. You might have to. The moral of this whole story. Is they haven't done enough to help themselves in the draft. Where are the stars and how can you have lost drafts two in a row? That's going to have an effect on a franchise. And a mighty one at that. Because didn't selecting Bush not only blow up in their faces, but also cost them a first-round pick the next year? Am I right about that? Sean, don't call me Seth Myers.
1: It's it's so difficult if you miss on these marquee draft picks, first round, second round, to some extent even third-round picks. Uh, Now, I will say, conversely, there's times where teams can make a big mistake and still overcome it, but it seems like that's few and far between. Obviously, think of the 49ers. They missed horribly on their quarterback pick with Trey Lance, but they were able to get so many late-round picks right, and I I think, to your point, the Steelers really haven't done either. Either the first-round, second-round picks, and they haven't uncovered that many gems in recent years either.
0: You need stars. You know, I think they might have had a great draft this last draft, and they might have a couple stars in there, but that's to be seen. And, yes, you're right. The Niners and the Chiefs and the Rams are teams that seem to find really, really good players later on in drafts. You know, Brandon Ayuk was a late first-round dra- uh, draft pick. McKivitz, their tackle out of West Virginia, Adam Crowley. Was a fifth round pick. Debo Samuel, second round pick. Greenlaw, fifth round pick. I mean, look at these guys. It, it, let's put it this way: in the drafts, and I realize the Niners had stud, you know, stud drafting position here, but I'm talking lower in the draft, 2018, 19, when the Steelers went a long ways toward ruining themselves. These guys came up with Nick Bosa. I could have made that pick at second overall. Debo Samuel, Greenlaw from the same draft. Fred Warner in the third round the year before. The rest of that draft was just okay for the Niners, but they got a star. Give me the star. That's what I want. I can fill in the rest. I can fill in the rest. Go back to some of the Steelers drafts from from a while ago, you know? Jarvis Jones, yeah, they blew it on that one, but they took Le'Veon in the second round. I don't care who else. Uh, Marcus Wheaton, Shamarco Thomas, Justin Brown, Terry Hawthorne. They did get Vince Williams in the sixth round. That's a good draft to me. They got Le'Veon Bell, an unbelievable stud, right? David DeCastro in the first round in 2012. Yeah, they took Mike Adams. Sean Spence got hurt. Chris Rainey. (laughs) Chris Rainey. (laughs) David Paulson, no relation to Scott. But they got David DeCastro. I'll fill in the rest. You know? And of course, the year they got Ben. Even to a certain degree, the Santonio Holmes draft. But I digress here. I'm going too far. And I want you to join in. Where does Kevin Colbert take the blame? And do you ever wonder about players, uh, sort of a separate topic, like Mitch Trubisky, quarterbacks, who go into a situation like he did in Chicago and just get ruined? Because of because of overzealous, paranoid, egotistical coaching. 928-9370. Time right now, 1033. Time to call Shenderovich, Shenderovich and Fishman. Why pay 40% when you can pay 25%? Call eight 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 ninety eight 98 Twins. Joe Patochnik started a business with his mustache 42 years ago. It's one of the great stories in roofing and siding history. And you may not know that JP was a first ballot roofing Hall of Famer and siding Hall of Famer. Oh, you've had people in the roofing Hall of Fame, lots of them first ballot, some in the siding Hall of Fame, six or seven. He's the only one in both. And I should have been his presenter, Sean. And maybe I will be. Maybe I will be someday when he gets into his next Hall of Fame, because it's a platinum preferred company. It's a nationally recognized company. And it's flourished in western Pennsylvania for 42 years where you have some pretty discerning customers. They've been out to my house, did a great job. $500 off any roofing or siding installation right now. Give them a call, 412-829-7711. That's 829-7711. Talking about the Steelers' moves yesterday, about the Mitch Trubisky era, such as it was. Also talking about how two draft picks. I mean, Presley Harvin was a seventh round pick, but that's another guy that, that Tomlin doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on. And everybody's like, what are we doing here? Why is he still punting here? And it was mind boggling him and Chukes now gone. And, Chooks, as I went over already, was just the, the, the whole thing. The whole Chooks story is, is one misstep after another. Until finally he's benched, but the two wide receivers who quit in the middle of games aren't. We still don't know, although DK Sports reported <clears throat> something to the effect that Chuk said we should just kneel on the ball before they went out. <laughs> before they went out at the end of whatever game that was, <clears throat> which might have been the best advice anybody had all year. It's hard for me to believe that, um, I mean, obviously he wasn't serious, right? He may have been ticked. Sounds to me like a statement about Matt Canada's offense. But it also sounds like selective punishment handed out by Mike Tomlin. But the main story here is this again casts reflection on their drafts, you know? And 18 and 19, 18, 19, 20, and 21. 21 was actually, they got Harrison Fryermuth at the top. But I include those because of those drafts, remaining on the team is Najee, Fryermuth, Dan Moore for now, Isaiah Loudermilk, Alex Highsmith, and Deontay. That's it. Deontay's the only one left from 18 and 19. Deontay and Highsmith are the only ones left from 18, 19, and 20. That's And I know you parlayed Claypool uh, into picks. I get that. But you have two players left from three drafts who should be in their primes and helping your team right now? That's not good, Sean. Don't call me Seth Myers, is it? Wouldn't call it great.
1: No, I mean, there's some scenarios where guys actually perform so well that they kind of price
0: themselves out, but that well, really hasn't, want. That yeah. hasn't happened at all here. Exactly. So let's go to the phone lines, 412-928-9370, if you want to weigh in on either one of those. I'm looking at the Ravens drafts year by year right now. And... I mean, in 18, which is the year, uh, year the Steelers failed, they got Lamar, right, at the end of the first round, and now he's a two-time MVP. So do I need to go on more? And they got Mark Andrews in the third round, for God's sakes. Orlando Brown in the third round, who went on to be a good player. I realize he's not there anymore. Their next draft wasn't great. But the one after that was pretty darn good in 2020. Patrick Queen, Dobbins, with their second pick. Matabuike, who became an all-pro this year. I mean, they got guys. Geno Stone, as a safety, they, they got guys. They've outdrafted the Steelers. And again, this last draft from the Steelers looks like it has potential to be a great one. I'll acknowledge that for sure. But we're also talking about Kevin Colbert's final years here. Didn't go well. Who do you got, Sean? We'll
1: start with uh, Brian and Brookline.
0: One of my favorite places, Brookline. Hello, Brian. Hey, Joe. Uh, Before I answer your question,
3: I'd like to thank you. You did an amazing job for Ron. I've, I've honestly, you and Bob, it was great that he was there that day. That week was legendary. That entire week for that guy was legendary. And I just wanted to thank you. You made us proud to be from Pittsburgh. You did it the right way, and I want to thank you for that. Well, I want to thank
0: you for that. That's really kind of you, and Ron deserved to go out that way, and it was a team effort, a group effort on this end of lining up all those people. I mean, everybody was involved. We went back into the computerized Rolodexes of our two horses, Matt Cole and and Joe Kopp, who don't even work here anymore. They were sending me Terry Francona's number, and uh, Bob here got Ben and Bettis. I don't remember how I got Joe Namath. And a lot of people, by the way, at the end of that last show, Brian, thought that it was contrived, like thought that I set it up like, oh, I guess Joe Namath isn't calling. And then now here he is. No, that wasn't the case at all. First of all, I don't remember where I got Namath's number. 18 different people gave me numbers for him. I was leaving messages all over the place. And then I was at the golfing range and he called me back one day. And that's something to have Joe Namath on the other end of the line. And he said, well, how's Ron? What's Ron going to do now that he's retiring? I said, he's going to drink and read books and go to the beach. And he said, great. He said, I'll call you tomorrow. But the last thing he said was, my memory is still pretty good, but you might want to text me at one o'clock. And then I thought, hmm, okay. So we texted him at one, didn't hear from him, didn't hear from him the whole hour. It got to be 150, which is basically then the end of the show. So I said to Ron, uh, you know, I wanted to get you, Joe Namath, and then he called, and and you couldn't have asked for a better ending, Brian.
3: That was that you can't write it better in a script, Joe. It it it, it was an emotional week. It was a it was just it was tough. It was. And then um, you should
0: have seen what happened I, when Ron walked out of the studio. He walked. Heard, he walked out of this studio, and the and the hallways were lined up with people who work here in all kinds of capacities, clapping for him. As I said, it was like the end of an officer and a gentleman. Richard Gere takes Julia Roberts out of the factory where she worked, or wherever it was, picks her up and carries her. The only better ending would have been if I picked up Ron and took him down the stairs or threw him down the stairs. Well, but what's on your mind?
3: Well, Ron Well, Ron left with uh, Ron Fashion uh, right out the door, from what I understand, from what reports of it.
0: He, <laughs> he didn't stop to hear the clapping, which made it even better. He basically just gave a wave and walked out, you know, like a president going to Air Force One. It was unbelievable. Anyway, uh, here's what do what's you got? on my
3: mind, Joe. So um, it's, I'm going to morph into Trubisky. I don't want them to go after Justin Fields because I feel like we're just getting another Mitch Trubisky. It's the Bears. It's another mobile quarterback. And I just I'm afraid of that situation. Uh, we're, we're going after people's draft picks that are not so good. Trubisky, I was with you. I thought he could be decent. He was mobile. Uh, ben was a statue. He could. I, everything you said was spot on. And I don't know if it was Matt Canada's system. It just like ruined him. And it's like ruining Pickett.
0: Well, to be clear, uh, to be, be, be clear, if Trubisky was ruined, I think the ruining happened in Chicago. But go ahead.
3: So. So, which leads me, it's, it's it, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck between these two quarterbacks because that talk is they want to go after Fields. Well, well, Mitch Trubisky was the number two draft pick. Uh, Fields was the 11th pick there. Why are we going after this guy? I mean, it's, it's like Mitch Trubisky 2.0. It's a reboot. Well, I don't think I don't anybody, do
0: yeah, I understand your points there. There's concerns. I, I don't think Justin Fields is a lock, but, but I, when I just mentioned that pick and ceiling might be the floor, I still think that Justin Fields' ceiling might be, Much higher than that. The ceiling is the roof, as they say. Uh, I would feel more excited about that. More excited about taking a big swing where I feel like with Pickett, can I even hit a double with Kenny Pickett or am I trying to draw a walk here or hope for an error or bounce a single? With Fields, I still feel like I could hit a homer. But there's no guarantee, and the complication is that his contract's going to be up. So... You're going to have to decide on that fifth year option. You know, what do you do here? He's going into year four. What do you do? I like Russell Russell Wilson. Wilson. A a league minimum. The league minimum. Denver's paying
3: all that money. The league minimum. I mean, how can they not see that? He's mobile, he's got a cannon. Uh, It's a one-year rental. I mean, what hurt can it do? It's the league minimum.
0: I'm with you. I'm with you there. I think I'd be more excited about fields, but you'd also have to give up assets. What's the harm in bringing in Russell Wilson if you're comparing that to Ryan Tannehill? Russell Wilson just went through a season where his own team hated him and worked against him, and I'm talking the executives. People think the players did. I think for a while they did. I think that got straightened out, and they came to his defense when the team turned against him, and he can still play. I just watched a season in which, in which Russell Wilson in succession beat Green Bay, Kansas City, Buffalo, Minnesota, and Cleveland. And he threw three, four, six, eight, nine touchdowns and no interceptions in those games and won a couple late. He's not the Russell Wilson of old, but he's he's a trillion times better than a broken-down Ryan Tannehill. I agree with you. Joe, Thanks. can I just – Yeah. With this.
3: So Russell Wilson, league minimum. We need a quarterback to throw touchdowns. How about three touchdowns in the game from a quarterback? How about two, maybe? Okay, I mean, let's. I mean, Kenny Pickett can't get over one. I mean, it just. I mean, we need to score points. I'm tired of. I'm just. I'm just tired of the. I'm Joe. I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, I just want to see some change.
0: I'm with you, man. Thanks for the call. Russell Wilson had. One, two, I'm proving I can count again, three, four, five, six, seven, eight multiple touchdown games. Eight games with a passer rating over 100. Like, I, I understand people saying you're not getting prime Russell Wilson, I get that. But the idea that he can't play anymore is a lie. That's just not true. There's that, that, that's too many games where he played well. Again, probably a coach who doesn't fit his skills A team that didn't want him from the top threatened him. If he didn't take things out of his contract, they were going to cut him. Made that threat after he scored Denver's biggest win in years by beating the Chiefs. He did that. 26 touchdowns and 8 interceptions. What what is there not to see about that? 341 yards rushing. Did you watch the game in Buffalo where they beat the Bills 24-22? Where he won the game late? 24-29, 24-29. Buck 93, two touchdowns. keeping plays alive with 30 yards rushing. What are what are we talking about here? When we say oh, for, when we're summarily dismissing Russell Wilson. Like what are you doing? Next.
1: You're going to go to Paul in the Trona
0: Heights. Hey Paul, that's another place near and dear to my heart because I used to work at the Valley News Dispatch.
2: Oh, wonderful, Joe! Good morning. What's um, up? A uh, guy that just Brian, I enjoyed listening to this man. He knows what he's talking about. Um, just like he said about your shows last week with Ron, I thoroughly enjoyed the hell out of them. <laughs> uh, brought back a lot of brought back a lot of great memories. I'm 65. Yeah. and I'm hardcore and I'm old school, and I really miss Cookie already. Um, you know. Uh, because like I said, he's old school. I go back to Stan Saverin, Myron Cope, Bill Hilbert. I, I've talked to those people. Uh, but anyway, uh, Have I just I, again, been insulted? Sean,
0: don't call me Seth Myers. I, I don't know. Seen mixture of compliment call, and insult. Or or no, don't but...
2: call, Or don't call Seth Myers. Pat Myers, You know, the offensive <laughs> line. <tape. laughs>
0: go ahead. What do you got? Where they could, where they could
2: have, where they could have gotten back Mike Monchak, but that's another story. Yeah. Um, All three of our sports teams, and, of course, we're talking about the Steelers, of course, but I lay the blame on all three owners for all the failures that's happened. You know, the buck stops here with them until they wise up and smarten up, and Rooney especially takes his blindfold off and get rid of Mike Tomlin. Uh, I blame him and Tomlin both for these poor drafts. Tomlin is a poor game day coach in, uh, to begin with. Uh, he takes timeouts out, you know, in the locker room where you can't use them, like in the Buffalo game. Um, after they lost the two 2-10 two, two football teams on their home field, I was convinced that Tomlin had to go. And until they do that, Joe, this team is not going to go anywhere. And the quarterback situation just, you're, you're selling me a little bit on Russell Wilson, but anybody else, they're a bunch of losers. Even Baker Mayfield um, is a loser. I don't want him around either. Um,
0: I appreciate the call, buddy. I, I like Baker. I think he's the opposite of a loser. I think he's a winner. As I've said many times, they should have built a statue for that guy in Cleveland. He won a playoff game for the Cleveland Browns. Period. End of story. Statue. Instead, they sold their souls for $230 million in guaranteed money. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Browns took a steep fall now and a deserved one at that. They should have kept Baker is what they should have done. How did that go so far south, honestly? Isn't Baker the kind of guy that a town like Cleveland or Pittsburgh loves? And after the quarterbacks that they went through for decades, this guy won a playoff game, beat the Steelers, if I recall, and they, I think they sold him out. He played hurt with bad ribs the one year, and, and now, well, I know Cleveland's coming off a good year in which... By the way, did they win the Super Bowl, the Browns? Did the NFL wind up awarding them the Super Bowl? I I haven't heard that. They got coach of the year. They got defensive player of the year, comeback player of the year, coordinator of the year for a guy whose defense was last in the NFL in red zone defense and not even in the top 10 in scoring defense and got lit up over the last six or seven games for the most part. Miles Garrett was was invisible for the last six or seven games, but he's defensive player of the Year.